Hi, I'm Caitlin Prest, and I am here in your ear to tell you about a very incredible new show called Asking For It. Asking For It is a darkly comedic series that follows a queer femme singer whose history of violence finds her no matter how many times she runs away. It has an original soundtrack, and it'll make you laugh, cry, and feel a little bit less alone. Asking for it. Subscribe now. This is a CBC Podcast. April 20th, 7.29 a.m. My name is Sophie. Hi, Selena. Hi, Jenny. It's David. Hi. Uh, this is Kama. I'm your new pen pal. Audio pen pal. I'm a woman in my 40s, and I am divorced. I'm living in Montreal, Quebec. I'm from Yellowknife. The city's quiet. We've been in lockdown since the middle of March. I'm recording this letter in my one-bedroom apartment. I'm in my parents' house in the room that was my childhood room. I'm looking at this experiment as a way to travel without leaving my balcony. <laughs> yes, your voice brings me happiness <laughs> in my other side of the country. <laughs> Those are the voices of people trying to connect during the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. We all remember what it was like back then, how we turned to each other in bewildered texts and phone calls, sharing articles and making predictions. How do you think this will go? When will things be normal again? Will they ever? As he holed up in his apartment in Yellowknife, Aidan McMahon became curious about those conversations. Aidan, he's an artist, and he wanted to find a way to help people connect during their confinement. So he and two collaborators, David Clark and Luca Caruso-Moro, put out a call, invited people from across Canada to participate in an audio pen pal project. About 50 people said yes. 50 strangers looking to connect with someone they'd never met. Aiden paired them up, and over the next six months, these strangers exchanged audio letters, documenting their joy. I've been watching the trees out of the windows. They're growing their leaves back. Their pain. We sure know what loneliness feels like now, I think. And sometimes just sharing the sounds of their corner of the world. We get owls here all the time, and their call sort of sounds like, who cooks for you? Who cooks for you? These pairs have never seen each other. They don't even have each other's contact information. They'd record their letters on their phones and then send them to Aiden, and then he'd send them on to their partners. The project is part oral history, part sonic snapshot of just regular people in their day-to-day lives during a time of uncertainty and isolation. I'm AC Rowe, and this is The Doc Project. Today, we have two stories for you, both about connection in a world that has changed because of the pandemic. Coming up, journalist Lisa Shing does whatever she can to connect with her Chinese culture, in the middle of rising anti-Chinese sentiment. But first, we start with the story of two pen pals who never would have found each other if not for the strangeness of our COVID-19 world. Angela, an art school dean living in Halliburton, Ontario, and Sophie, 
an American living in British Columbia. Hi, Angela. My name is Sophie. I'm 32 years old. I live in um, East Van. I'm sitting here staring at my cat, Augustus. Um, We're kind of having a staring contest. He's super cuddly, and when I can't sleep in the middle of the night, I usually take him and I put him on my head, and it feels like a warm hat, and it usually puts me to sleep within 10 minutes. (laughs) Um, I actually left my job in the end of February to pursue some personal projects like art residencies and such um but then they all got canceled because of covid so i am at home having a really hard time concentrating on anything i'm sorry i didn't even ask how you were and i hope you're healthy and safe and have a comfortable spot to be in right now. This is just such a crazy, crazy time right now. Are you having concentration issues? Hi, Sophie. It's Angela. <laughs> Who else would it be? <laughs> um, Thanks for asking how I am. I'm okay. I, I'm in the uh, vulnerable zone, having turned 60 uh, last year. So I'm taking it seriously and feeling pretty vulnerable. But I do live in front of a, sl- uh, a lake, beautiful lake. I watch water as it changes every minute of the day and the light and the shadows, and I love that. I agree with you about the concentration, which is kind of odd, really, because there's so much time, but uh, I feel myself drifting. Dear Angela, I've never received a voice message from someone that I didn't know. And it's just so lovely that I have to um, be honest. I, I, I cried the, um, the second time I listened to it. I definitely feel that drift. And that drift has a really dreamy quality to it in that I really, I'm losing track of the days and time seems to be moving at a very different pace and I can't really tell if it's slower or faster, um, almost like it's warping. Anyway, I hope that you're having a lovely Sunday and um, I think I'm going to go for a walk outside now because I've been inside all day. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you again. Dear Sophie. 
Hi, Angela. Hi, Sophie. It's Angela. Sunday, April 26th. So many things to talk about, huh? I did a lot of gardening this week. It snowed this afternoon. What are you filling your days with now? I'm in a really weird work situation. I was working in an office, but office life wasn't really for me. I have three great kids, all grown up doing such interesting things. I was a choreographer for a while in New York City. I'd like to hear what it's like to be 32 years old. My partner and I were actually due to get married in September. In love. But we've postponed the wedding till next year. With a future ahead of you. It takes me a really long time to adjust to transition. I'm not gonna say I was a bad mother, but I was a real um, gardener as a mother. I saw them as little plants that just grew did their own thing. I love that I can hear your bangles in the audio recordings. I think they're your bangles. Do you wear bangles around your wrists? I've gone on for a while, so I'm going to stop here. Hope to talk again soon. Hope to talk to you soon, and... Have a good night, morning, wherever I meet you. Good night, or good morning, or wherever this meets you, as you say. Bye, Sophie. May 1st, 2020. Hi, Angela. Yesterday was a really hard day. I don't know if I was tired all day or if maybe the weight of all of this just kind of fell on me yesterday, but I really felt, um, I was really feeling it. My partner and I are about to, um, are about to move again um, to Baltimore, Maryland, in the United States because he's been offered a job there. I'm scared, especially after what's going on now, to move to another place where I don't know anybody. I guess when I was little, I always imagined that we would always be around people that we loved and um, made us feel strong. But it seems like it's the will of the world these days that people um, move away from one another. So, yeah, I'm just curious if you have any advice (laughs) or um, words of wisdom. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. My God, Sophie, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, I'd be scared and worried about being lonely. and But, you know, who am I to talk? I just left my family and my friends to move two and a half hours north of um, Toronto to this small community where I know no one. Because I felt like I needed a change. I needed to be out of my comfort zone again. I didn't want to be one of those 60-year-olds who just, you know, starts to slow down and say, no, I can't do that. I didn't want that. It's hard. It's hard to start a new community. And I so, so understand this desire to bring family and friends together and to all live happily under one roof. You're right. It's not going to happen. But our desire for parts of that dream 
They have to. They have to exist. They have to be real. I hope some of this makes sense to you. Some of this is like a, a virtual hug. You'll be okay, no matter what you decide. You will be okay. We will be okay. So know that I'm thinking of you, and I look forward to hearing back from you, dear Sophie. I'm sending so much love your way right now, and if I could, I would give you a really big hug. If I can give you a hug, I will. I will give you a virtual hug, just like mm, I give you a big hug. What do I miss most? I am. One thousand percent with you on the hugs. I mean, just like physical touch. I think we became so disconnected from really basic things. What does it feel like anymore? That we forget how amazing it is to just hug someone and talk to someone without wearing a mask. <laughs> Hi, Sophie. It's Angela. I am sitting outside my parents' backyard. I've been having a hard time with this COVID thing.、Um, I am running out of optimism. Part of me thinks that things are going to be better. And part of me thinks you're kidding yourself. I see it. My father at 93, thinking he'll probably die before whatever new normal happens, and he may very well. So I've been kind of depressed. I gotta say, even though the weather's nice, and I thought that would make a difference. We will see. What happens in the next six months? It'll be interesting. Can't imagine going through another winter like this, but it may be our reality. Tell me what you're thinking about COVID. Are you okay? Are you struggling too? Love to hear how you're doing. Take care. Hi, Angela. Your last message made me concerned. I thought it was important to respond sooner rather than later. This came up with my partner and I, since we're planning on moving. And I said somewhere in a conversation we were having that I wasn't really excited about anything, and that made him really, really sad. I'm trying to think of things that I am excited about. I am excited about the moment that I get to tell my parents that I will be having a baby. And that makes me excited 
because I know how happy it will make them. I am not pregnant now, but I'm just saying for that future situation. I'm also sending with this recording a couple things that I recorded just when I was outside. One is um, a bird outside my, my stoop. BC has said that you can have gatherings of two to six people, and I think my neighbors both had gatherings in their backyards, and I was just realizing that I hadn't heard the sound of a party in a really long time. And I, I snapped a little recording of that. And another one is a little waterfall I came upon when I was taking a hike in the woods. Um, okay, Angela, talk soon. Bye. Hi, Sophie. It's Angela on a lovely rainy evening. Boy, I love the rain. Your message was um, so sweet and loving, caring, and I'm so, so less stressed, even though I'm completely anxious about my life and my future, but I'm less stressed. I'm, um, I'm listening to the rain, and I'm looking at the stars, and I'm having incredible conversations with people that I've never even met. Pretty cool. Bye for now. a different place. I want you to be with me. Black love! I went to a protest in Vancouver. It was good to feel part of a crowd. I wonder, being older, if this time is reminding you of any other time or if this really feels revolutionary and radical. The world has changed. What? God almighty, has it changed? It's seismic. I do believe there's reason to think that things could turn around, that we will learn from this. We will learn some things, not everything, but we will be transformed. Angela! Angela, Angela, Angela! I come to you from US soil. 
we've been quarantining, but I was finally able to hug my parents. Oh, Sophie, I think you are going forward and Baltimore will have opportunities and adventures for you. There's so many things I want to say. You've seen me through so much in the last six months. Our correspondence has brought me a lot of joy and connection. You've been a beacon. Uh, just this incredible person out there who I don't know, but I've become so fond of and so thankful to have your company through COVID. So sending you my thoughts and... So keep in touch, I'll be well. Hear from you when I hear from you. And know that I'm thinking about you. Bye. Bye. So I'll sign off now and I'm sending you big hugs. I hope wherever you are, you are healthy and you're happy. And I hope you're having a great day. I hope right. that this recording helps to brighten your day. Take care of yourself. Bye. Fais attention à toi. And take care. Bonne journée. Bye. Talk soon. That piece was produced by Aidan McMahon and Mira Bertwintonic. The music was by Eliza Niemi. The Pen Pals project, called Through the Wall, was conceived by Aidan along with David Clark and Luca Caruso Moro. Something kind of special. Angela is Aidan the Pen Pal matchmaker's mother. He didn't even ask her to participate. She just reached out on her own to join the project. But after listening to her correspondence with Sophie all summer, Aiden, he set up a Zoom conversation between the two of them so they could finally see each other for the first time. Oh my God. Ah! Hi, Angela. <laughs> oh my God, you're not a brunette. Um, did you think I was a brunette? I did. <laughs> it's so nice to meet you. In the sort of flesh. <laughs> it's so weird. What? I was so nervous. Well, yeah, it was like, what do you wear? <laughs> <laughs> it's wild, and it's wild to see you. You are so young and so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. After the initial shock of seeing each other's faces, Sophie and Angela shared a bit about what the experience meant to them. For me? A little bit of therapy, uh, a little bit of friendship, uh, a lot of affection. It's okay. I feel like audio, do, having a correspondence with audio, I didn't really spend a lot of time thinking about what, what you looked like at all. I just, um, but I feel like I learned your voice really well, which yeah. I don't think I, I don't know anybody else's voice I feel like as well as I know your voice um, because I, you know, I have that. I got to know you that way. And you don't really get to know people that way. What's remarkable is 
having the opportunity to talk to somebody without rush or concern about anything else, just to be able to reflect and voice feelings and experiences to somebody who you trust won't be critical of them, but will be curious and interested. Then, after an hour or so of video chatting, the pen pals got ready to say goodbye. Though, not for long. Well, I hope we'll keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I loved that. I, I so loved the opportunity to get to know you and... I know. Can we send tapes? I like tapes. And maybe one day we'll even like meet in person. Oh my goodness. And that's possible. That means I have to dress the, the bottom half of me. <laughs> Actually, I've been doing all my job interviews with no pants on. <laughs> I know, it's so crazy. <laughs> Who needs pants? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty actually empowering. <laughs> Angela Stucater, and Sophie McGuire. As positive test numbers climb again in parts of the country, a lot of us are now entering a second round of COVID confinement. Whether you're in one of the hard-hit provinces or in an area with relatively low infection rates, you can also be paired with your own audio pen pal. To find out how, visit us. We're at cbc.ca slash docproject. Coming up, a story about how a name is way more than just a name. I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretab. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange... You never know just what you might hear on Wiretap. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Lisa Shing is a journalist with CBC Toronto. She grew up in Pengxi, China. And recently, Lisa's family and her Chinese heritage, they've been on her mind more than ever. It's partly because Lisa, like so many Chinese Canadians, has experienced the rise in anti-Asian racism since the pandemic began. But also, it's because Lisa's life is about to change in a big way. And she's trying to figure out what role her culture is going to play in that. Here's Lisa. Hello. 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 How's it going? It's okay. My partner Nathan and I are visiting my parents in Ancaster. It's a suburb west of Toronto. I lived there for most of my teenage years and really hated it. Though now I find it kind of comforting. My mom and I are making Chinese pastries. My technique 
is awful. I never bothered to learn when I was younger, but these days I really want to improve. Is this too much filling? I think so. No, 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 no. If you if you do that, it you cannot uh, fold it nicely. My parents were born in China. When I was a baby, my dad got a grant to study here, and then my mom followed. But they couldn't get a visa for me, so my grandparents took care of me. For the first few years, my parents lived in a basement apartment. My mom got a job at a place called Tally Ho. It's a fast food restaurant near the university. She worked the night shift so they could save some money to bring me. My dad would often wait for my mom to get off work at two or three in the morning. Then she'd sit across the handlebars of his bike as they rode home together. After two years of this, of late nights, shopping at the Salvation Army, taking the bus to English classes, my parents finally saved enough money to buy a plane ticket for me. Our little family was reunited. I was five. After I arrived, my mom continued working at that restaurant. I remember waiting there with my dad. We'd make her plate of fries last until she finished her shift. I was too young to understand their struggles adjusting to life here. Moving to a new country in their 30s where they didn't speak the language, didn't know the culture at all. Going from being doctors in China to starting from scratch. They play all of this down. That's pretty typical of their generation. They appreciate the opportunities they've had in Canada, and they don't really like to complain. But I know it wasn't always easy being Chinese here. Dad never talks about intolerance, but I know he faced it. When he was trying to pass an exam for his PhD, he failed it once, and then almost a second time, even though he prepped day and night. By asking around, he eventually found out one examiner didn't want to pass him. I thought somehow he did not like me in the first place. So basically, he's much determined. I was not going to pass, period. Right? Coming from a Chinese cultural background, I always tended to blame myself. Indeed, I was foreign to this country. Um, I had a very limited knowledge. But I did ask a question, why this, this examiner, this professor did not like me at all? Maybe it's my English accent. Maybe I still spoke some broken English. After that, my dad insisted we speak English at home, and it stuck. And I was fine with that. Because growing up, I hated my Chineseness. I hated using chopsticks, my flat nose, the clothes my family sent from China with misspelled English words on them. It only got worse when my grandparents came to stay with us for a few years when I was 13. The same grandparents who looked after me when I was a toddler. Only now, living with them further highlighted I was different, when all I wanted was to fit in. Other kids didn't live with their grandparents. Mine didn't even speak English. They were just two more people getting in the way of me becoming a regular North American teenager. It's one of my biggest regrets now, not appreciating my yeye and popo, 
the unique Chinese sensibilities they brought, their limitless tolerance for my rejection of it. Which is why I want to do things differently with my own child. Actually, she's not born yet. So far, hearing her heartbeat when I have an ultrasound is the closest I've come to meeting her. I'm determined she'll be proud of her Chinese heritage. It's a humid July day. Nathan and I are sanding a dresser. We're repainting it for the baby. There's just two months to go. Like, look at the top. Splotches everywhere. We're starting to do more damage than we are good, so... This is difficult. I didn't realize painting this dresser would be so difficult. Well, I think in the grand scheme of things, Nathan, this is going to be one of the easier things we have to do. Yes. We come from totally different backgrounds. I came to Canada when I was five. Nathan is white. He grew up on a tobacco farm in southwestern Ontario. So, Nathan, when did it occur to you that we would inevitably have a biracial child? Really, it kind of became when we saw the positive pregnancy test and everything, then it's like, whoa. Then that becomes more of a reality, so then you just got to start thinking, like, um, how are we going to mix the cultures, right? Even this immediately start thinking about, like, the name. Like, how's the name going to work? What's he or she going to look like? You start thinking about things like that. And how much of your culture and how much of my culture is going to play into how this kid grows up and who they become. Did you start thinking about it more after I started bringing it up more? Because I'm a bit type A about it, clearly. I guess I was always there because you've introduced me and your family's introduced me to a deeper understanding of Chinese culture that I never would have had before. And of course, your questioning and your constant questioning about things like that <laughs> ends up becoming part of the process as well. What do you hope she looks like? I want her to look reflective of her cultures. Like, I, I don't really care if she looks like me that much because I think you're much better looking than I am to start with. Not arguing with that. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you want to, you think you want, everyone wants their kids to be like beautiful and attractive and uh, ultimately grow up and feel comfortable in their own skin. Um, a lot of that's going to be out of our control. Um, but in terms of what she looks like, I, I kind of have to admit, I think I want her to look a bit Asian, you know? More Asian than white? Well, being Chinese is such a big part of who you are and with your story and with your parents. And it just seems like it's going to be a part of her culture and background that's going to be trickier to hang on to than, say, mine, because of where we live. So she's going to grow up in uh, like essentially a Canadian culture split between probably a city like Toronto and where I grew up out in the countryside a couple hours from here. Um, but your parents um, and you are Chinese. Mm -hmm. So I think it will be important for her to learn and understand that. And why wouldn't she want to be proud of who, of who she is and where she's come from and her background? I mean, I wasn't proud. I hated it. But he's right. It's a big part of who I am now. Gradually, that resentment faded. Part of it probably had to do with me actually returning to China. I didn't go back until I was 13, eight years after I left. 
When we arrived at the dusty train station in the town where I lived with my grandparents, my cousin with her short cropped hair ran over and hugged me. Last time I'd seen her, she was just a baby. And when I returned to Canada, she saw me off at the station with tears streaming down her face. I remember visiting my old kindergarten where I played on the slides, my grandparents' apartment where I learned to walk. The familiar smell of smoked meat and street cooking ingrained in my memory, smells I didn't even know I'd forgotten. I mean, in a way, it was a bit painful, oddly. It was painful because it reminded me of a place I'd left, but it was also comforting because I had returned. That first visit and every single one after that made me feel more and more connected to where I came from. It was also learning more about my parents and family on those trips, about how my dad lost his mom during the Cultural Revolution in 1969. She was an academic and a doctor. The government jailed her and she took her own life in prison. My dad was 11, the youngest of four siblings and learned to cook for the family. My grandma had been brought up by a single mom who was shunned by the town after her husband had died. Yet somehow she made ends meet and encouraged my grandma to go to school, instilling in my popo feminist values well ahead of her time. As I heard these stories, I became proud of that Chineseness. I recognized it in my grandparents, my parents, that ability to weather hardship uncomplainingly, the stoicism, the collectivist mentality. I want my daughter to see all that, and I don't want her to take as long as I did. Where I'm running into resistance is over the choice of a name. Nathan and I want a Chinese first name for our daughter, and we've asked my parents to make some suggestions. The first was Maple. We nixed that one pretty quickly. And then Anne, which was my grandma's English name, and also means peace. But in English, I don't think it sounds as inspiring. The next suggestion comes over dinner. Your mother thought of the other name. Is it Chinese? First name, Lily. Oh. This is name Finnish. Then if you want, you guess want, you can have Xinfeng uh, as a middle name. Lily is good. That's it's an a, English name. That's English the first, first name. First name in yeah. English. Yeah, middle. If you want to put the put as the middle name, that's it. X-I-N-G, F-E-N-G, Xingfeng. Yeah. Yeah. Lily is uh, simple, uh, it's, it sounds beautiful. Also, Li itself, remember that's, uh, that's your grandmother's uh, surname, L-I. So it was reflective. Yeah. Lily is the English name. Yeah, English so name. So Chinese is yeah, it's a beautiful, Baihe, beautiful. Xiaobaihe is better in Chinese. I hate the English version. And we go back to this problem again. Well, your parents are trying. They've yeah. just given us another option. Yeah, I it's know, j- but just, uh, this is just uh, one of the ideas. But right? we want you to choose a Chinese name, not an English name. No, we just cannot come up with uh, something that uh, 
we like, we think a first name should it be English, easy so to call. So why can't it, maybe it could just be I know why my parents are so insistent. Going through school, the pronunciation of my name, yeah, she, was a huge sticking point. Everyone butchered it. Teachers, classmates, even friends. Some people made fun of it. It was so embarrassing, and I just wanted to fit in. So in middle school, I changed it to Lisa. My dad picked the name out for me when I first moved to Canada. I just never used it. But by the end of middle school, we all felt it was time to choose an English name that people could actually pronounce. And I did it in conjunction with my best friend, Yiching, which was also a difficult name for people here. I remember writing our name options on a chalkboard the summer before high school. I really wanted to be named Melanie, as in Mel B, one of the Spice Girls. Luckily, I was talked out of that. So finally, I relented to my parents' suggestion of just going with Lisa. My friend went with Myra. We made the transition when we started high school. It made life easier, that's for sure. But sometime after university, I started realizing just how unique my Chinese name was. The poetry and the words my parents chose for me. Yeah, the last part of my mom's name. She, which means Dawn. Now I kind of regret changing it, but not my parents. For kids who is growing up here, English name is easy for people to call, to, to feel comfortable with. It's a more practical consideration because as your mother pointed out, we went through with your school years, how difficult it was for people to pronounce your name. Not only your classmates outside your schools, particularly outside your school, outside your family, oftentimes your name was totally pronounced totally out of mark. Yeah, she. Yeah, yeah, yeah she. People pronounced that name. We Yaxi. talked about the Yaxi, Taxi. Yaki, even. So it's totally lost the original meaning, right? But I don't want my daughter to wonder one day why I didn't give her a unique Chinese name. I need some perspective on this from someone who's lived it, who's been through that struggle. Hey. Hi, Angela. How are you? Good, how are you? I talked to one of my biracial friends who was born in Canada, who loves the Chinese name he was given, though it took him a while to get there just like me. This is Anjong, who I've known since middle school. Yeah, so Anjong, I've had this conversation with my parents and we're kind of at a stalemate right now about the naming of the baby and they are insisting uh, on giving her an English name, uh, an English first name. Kind of weird, I don't know. My dad, my mom really wanted me to have my Chinese heritage so they gave me Rare, it's very rare, in fact, I don't see it very often, but my first name is Chinese instead of English. And, you know, yes. growing up, you know, it was a little bit annoying sometimes because it's just like, oh, people don't know how to pronounce it. People look at me and they're like, why, why is that your name? Like, you know, they look, you don't look Chinese. But then, you know, after a while, I feel like I, I felt like I kind of embraced them. Like, oh, you know what? It's like my roots and it's like much more unique than like my middle name, which is just Alex. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, I, I appreciate that they did that, and I, 
Yeah, I hope you do the same thing. Well, you know that I changed my name to get away from the craziness and the confusion, right? So that was kind of an extreme, but I kind of regret it now, right? Because, I mean, it's not original. It's not the name I was given. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you ever get made fun of? Because my parents brought up me getting called taxi or, uh, you know, even yucky as a kid, um, as derivatives of Yashi or Yaxi, right? Um, uh, so did you ever face that at all? I don't know what made fun of, but, you know, people just would call me Anson or Andrew or, you know, anything. I'm like, that doesn't even look close at all, but, you know, they just, like, can't, something, some people just can't be bothered, and many times you try and, like, correct them, they're just... You're like, I can't, I can't pronounce that. I'm not, it's not my language. I can't do it. And they just kind of like, don't try. Shut right? Down. Yeah. Shut down. Right. So, you know, you're always, I mean, it's always going to run into people like that, but for the most part, I've found most people very accepting and willing to try to pronounce it correctly. So it's good. Yeah. And you're proud of it now, clearly. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. So, uh, but again, having a Chinese name, just like looking more Chinese comes with challenges. I hate to say it, but something even as superficial as looking more white could save her from a lot of pain. Nathan sees me dealing with it in my work as a journalist. Well, then there's the other side of it, right? Because you see some of the racism I experience in my job, uh, people sending me messages on Twitter, you know, calling me an agent of the Chinese government when a you know, uh, when I publish certain stories. I mean, maybe I'm just a bit Pollyannish and wear rose-colored glasses with this kind of stuff, but I don't think it's... I'd like to think that the the generations coming up from underneath us are... It's not going to be an issue. Hopefully by that point, the way the country's uh, progressing is that you'll just she'll just be, you know, another kid whose parents have different backgrounds. You just happen to be Asian. I happen to be a white guy. I think that is really idealistic of you because it. we are far from that. I don't think that's going to happen. And I think it's still very much alive today, if not just in a different form, right? Like me growing up and my classmate calling me, oh, yellow face, right? It's not as overt as that anymore. But I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's a bit, idealistic to think that she's not going to face some of that right oh definitely this is like this is aspirational but we're talking about a a kid here and i think in the way we approach it and the way we teach teach her and raise her is to make her aware that that's out there lately this is what's out there i would like to begin by announcing some important developments in our war against the chinese virus Here in Canada, the pandemic has bred another kind of virus, hate, especially against Chinese Canadians. The evidence in a survey released today. This recent resurgence of racism against Chinese people is a different kind of intolerance than I experienced. It's not from kids on the playground. It's a mentality that swept the world. If anti-Chinese sentiment can rise so quickly, who am I to make my child even more of a target? A Chinese name would make her stand out. People with foreign names get fewer job interviews. They're regarded as the other, outsiders. But all of this just makes me want my daughter to embrace Chinese culture even more. The spicy and pungent food of my home province, eaten with chopsticks. 
the traditional concertos my parents listened to on family road trips, the complicated and nuanced language, all the things I resisted as a teenager. Now, that last one is a win. My parents aren't on board with a Chinese name, but I've asked them to speak only Mandarin to their granddaughter, and they've agreed. Even though it might not be enough to bring her to fluency, it's a start. Because we swapped to English at home, I can only speak pretty basic Mandarin, but my daughter will have her grandparents around. And hopefully, she won't resist them like I did. When I was a teenager and I rejected the Chinese culture for quite a few years. How tough was that for you guys to witness? I was very much disappointed and felt sad. I felt helpless. I always use Chinese thinking to exchange my ideas to you, but you use the Canadian thinking to exchange things to me. So sometimes two of us lost in translation. Well, generally, I think it seems I'm a little more uh, worried or a little more staunch about the baby keeping that Chinese culture and being proud of it um, than you are. You guys, you guys seem to think that it might come more naturally. Why do you think that is? We have experience with you, right? Eventually, you come back with Chinese culture, like in you very well. So that's why. We have confidence that she will be okay. Can I just add a, one more point? Uh, be natural. Don't, don't be too forceful, right? You know a lot of things will happen naturally, including the positive Chinese influence. Let her be the way she's going to grow up to be. So in a way, I'm looking forward to your new family addition. I thought it's, uh, it's going to be such a wonderful thing because uh, she's going to be mixed blood. She's going to be with both Canadian and Chinese culture. Uh, to me, it's exciting for me to see how it's going to evolve. do you want for our daughter as she kind of navigates some of these issues as she grows up? It would be really great if she, if in a way being Asian and being Chinese became part of her life that she was able to kind of be proud of. Because then it becomes easier to um, to not have to worry about the negative parts of it. The negative reception and some of the negative stereotypes out there, she'll just be able to brush it off. And I, I want that to be for her to develop that kind of bulletproof attitude. So it's now the end of September and we're finally back home from the hospital after a really long labor that I thought would never end. It was more than 30 hours. It was painful and somewhat complicated. Uh, but after all that time, we finally welcomed a little baby girl into the world. 
And uh, right now, my parents are staying with us, helping us out for a few days and uh, as we get adjusted to a new life. She's got a cute button nose and round eyes and a bit of curly hair that takes after dad, but I still think she looks more Asian, which secretly or not so secretly makes me happy. So on September 29th, 2020, at 12.21 a.m., Ming Ming, which is spelled M-I-N-M-I-N, Xing Feng Swin, was born into the world. We settled on the name because my mom told me she spent several, several sleepless nights uh, after we tasked her with a responsibility, regardless of whether we would have an English name as well. Uh, And so what got me was the way it's written in Chinese. It's extremely clever. They're two totally different words that mean different things. The first Ming means fall, and the second Ming means easygoing and gentle. And I loved that. But those two words were basically homonyms that are written with the same characters, just in different positions, essentially, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, So written down, it's really a work of art that my mom came up with. And that's how we, uh, we decided to go with Mingming, the Chinese name that is beautiful written down, and hopefully people will find it easy to pronounce as well. And really, you know, for all of this back and forth and for all of the uh, the worries that I have, just seeing her little face uh, looking up at me from time to time when she's not, you know, sleeping or passed out after a meal, uh, really... It doesn't seem to make all that much of a difference, as long as she's happy and she's proud of where she came from. Lisa Shing and Mingming Ming Feng Swin. That doc was produced by Lisa and Allison Cook. It was edited by Allison with me. AC Rowe. On our website, you can see a photo of Ming Ming. She's just days old. We're at cbc.ca slash docproject. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to rate and review us and share us with a friend. Also, coming up next week, I have a big announcement. We are dropping our very own, very first serialized story. Three episodes following Trevor Campbell and his years with the legendary theater experiment known as Caravan. The story is about Trevor and a tall ship that travels the world with a group of punk anarchist theater pirates. It's the brainchild of the Bonnie and Clyde of Canadian theater, Adriana Kelder and Paul Kirby. Here's a little bit of what's coming up next week on The Dock Project. It's 2015, and we're in Hudson, New York, about 160 kilometers north of Manhattan up the Hudson River. I'm about 30 meters in the air, harnessed into the rigging of a wooden tall ship. And suddenly, I see three uniformed adults walking through the gate, down the dock, and across the gangway onto the deck directly below me. I don't know who they are, but they look like government agents. 
And when you're with Caravan, as a general rule, government agents are not your friends. I hide in the crow's nest, periodically peeking down till I see them leave, then give it another five minutes just to be sure they're gone, and then climb down to see what's happened. Whatever. At least in this case, it's... I, I, I mean, like they don't mess around. That's me, Trevor, sitting in the common room in the cramped belly of the wooden tall ship I call home. Whatever if they were gonna... Okay, I, I don't want to argue with you, but, you know, the, I think the... I'm talking to Paul and Nans. Well, you gotta do what you gotta do. Two people who, at the time, were a mix of gods, mentors, bosses, and parents to me. And we're arguing because we're trying to decide what I should do next. I mean, I think you're... I think you're panicking and uh, needlessly. So I, I think so I have, that, have a that, right to do it. Well, mm. you do, but I'm just expressing my opinion. I know, and I totally, and I feel awful and torn about it, and it's not what I want to be doing at all. It's just a nightmare. The last thing I want to do is leave this boat right now. That moment hasn't let me go for the past five years. A moment when I was staring into the faces of the people I most admired, People I'd spent years of my life with, traveling across the world, people who showed me a way of living that I'd never thought possible, and saying to them, I think I need to run. Yeah, and it's all a big mess. Our first serialized story coming up next week on The Dog Project. Okay, that's all for us this week. The Doc Project is produced by Allison Cook, Julia Poggle, Mira Bertwintonic, Tanera McLean, Kevin Ball, and me. Althea Manassen is our digital producer. Our senior producer is Jennifer Warren. And our executive producer is Joan Melanson. I'm AC Rowe. Thanks for listening. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.